The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey, uh, one other thing on your Connect card I wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, this coming Saturday uh, is our, our church's next membership class. Maybe you've been coming to Coastal for a while and you'd like to, you know, take that next step where you move from saying, you know, their church, your church, to you saying, man, this is my church. This is my church home, my church family. And uh, so that's this coming Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon, child care provided, snacks provided. Um, and on the back of your Connect card, you can check the box, RSVP to membership class uh, this Saturday morning. And um, just uh, love to have you join uh, Coastal and be a part of what God's doing here at our church. Speaking of which, uh, wow, we we had an awesome week of Vacation Bible School. Um, and since it is the Sunday uh, after VBS, and we've had the joy of spending a couple of hours each night this past week with many of your children, today I want to spend some time talking about the benefits of spanking. Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, I'm just joking. Seriously, your kids were great. No, they really were. Uh, they really, really were. Uh, I, I cannot overstate just how awesome this past week was. I'm serious. And, you know, it seems like we're saying that all the time here at Coastal. You know, this was the best, it was the biggest, because, man, God's just up to something here at our church. And uh, this past week, it really felt like it was one of the best VBSs we've ever had. We've had, we had, we saw 177 uh, kids this past week, and they were really phenomenal. And uh, everything went so smooth. And we had so many volunteers. And we tell people all the time that VBS is the best week of the summer for our kids, but not just for them, for us. And if you're a volunteer, you experienced that this past week. And uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our heart. And I do want to announce this. Um, you might not be aware of this, but our, each year at VBS, our children take up an offering that goes to some sort of mission. And uh, this past um, week, the offering went toward a children's home in Zambia. And last year, we'd taken up an offering for that same children's home where we remodeled uh, their showers in their home. And we, uh, they did a great job with that, and they, they really uh, look good now. Uh, well, they have a, kind of a small farm um, garden, if you will, large garden that, that supplies food for them and for others and jobs and things like that. And uh, there were some issues with uh, some irrigation that needed to, be, uh, needed to take place. And so that's what our offering went to this past week. And so they get real competitive, our kids do, with this offering. And because uh, they, they're in groups, they're in teams. And so different animals, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, counting, you know, who gave the most offering throughout the week. And so here's the grand total, the, the final number, and the winning team. So first of all, let me start with the big number. Uh, in fact, th our kids gave the most we've ever given for a VBS offering, uh, $3,379. And Four cents. So, way to go. Now, th there was a, a, a real race here for the, for the top, and I would say the kids are competitive. Really, it's the team leaders and the parents that get real competitive, Wessel family. Anyway, and um, no, there's a lot of, a lot of you, but um, so the, the top three teams were, it really came down to these three teams, the Jaguars, the Iguanas, and the Seahorses. And the winning team was the Iguanas. So if that means something to you and your family, you won. And if you're a part of the winning team, uh, you get to throw a pie in the face to Ryan Spell anytime you want to this year, just free it. No, anyway. Um, 
But uh, hey, there is one other thing that I want to bring up this morning um, about VBS and about children's ministry. Uh, we have such a phenomenal children's ministry here, and we had a lot of volunteers this past week. And let me say, if you volunteered this past week for Vacation Bible School, we would love for you to volunteer in some capacity in our Coastal Kids Children's Ministry. It is awesome. We really believe here at Coastal that if you change a child's life, you change the world. And there's so many phenomenal things that are happening in our children's ministry. And we tell people all the time that just one person, one service, once a month makes a huge, huge impact. I know in some churches there's this kind of, you know, unspoken kind of understanding that, you know, you don't want to get stuck in the black hole of children's ministry because you'll never come out. You'll, you'll be there forever and you'll never get to see a service. You'll never see another human uh, being again. You know, it's just awful. And uh, that's not the case here at Coastal. Uh, there, there are so many things that, that happen over there in the other building, our Coastal Kids building. And it's not just, not just teachers. Uh, we have people who uh, greet, who open the door, who escort people back to their classroom. We have people who check in our, our parents and our, our children. Uh, we have people who wipe down toys between each service. Um, but uh, we would, and, and by the way, if you have children in, in our children's ministry, but you've never served over there, come on, what gives? Like, man, just don't, you know, like be a part of what's happening there. So on the back of your Connect card today, it says this in bold under my decision today. I would like to volunteer to serve, and it says circle one. You know, today, circle children. And uh, just, you know, we will, we will connect with you. We will find you a place. Uh, we, you know, we do background checks on everybody that serves back here. We have a police officer here on our campus every Sunday. It is safe, it is secure, and it is life-changing. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Now, seriously, since today is uh, the Sunday after VBS, um, we're in week two of this series called Summer Reading. And each week we, we use a book that we recommended for you to read um, as a springboard then to talk about uh, the truth of God's Word on that Sunday. And uh, so it's been a great series. Uh, the list of books is there in your, outline, or in your bulletin because uh, we believe here at Coastal that leaders are what? Readers. Leaders are readers. So today's book is Love and Respect in the Family by Dr. Emerson Egricks. And uh, if you haven't read this book, you're probably a little familiar with the author in his previous book, Love and Respect for Marriage. That book is a classic book on marriage, New York Times bestseller, sold over 1.6 million copies. And uh, over the years as a church, we have offered it uh, multiple times as a life group. Now, in that book, he talks about the general differences between men and women and how in a marriage we react negatively to each other and we end up on something he calls the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you couples here today, uh, you haven't read the book, you're not really sure what the crazy cycle is, and yet you're pretty sure you've been on it a time or two in your, in your relationship, right? Um, basically, what, he, what, it, what it is is that it doesn't really matter who starts it, but it's basically when one of you is not meeting the other person's needs, and so in turn, they end up not meeting your needs, and then it just kind of spirals out of control. And it might be the husband, you know, who doesn't give 
the wife the, the love that she needs. So in return, she doesn't give her husband the respect that he needs. And, and again, it's just a vicious cycle, uh, hence this idea of love and respect. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Now, in today's book, Love and Respect in the Family, Emerson applies those same principles to the home to raising your children. And by the way, this would be a great book uh, for a life group. Maybe you're interested in leading a life group this semester. This would be a great resource uh, for parenting. So in the book, he talks about the crazy cycle again. But he talks about how families get on this same cycle when parents don't end up meeting their children's need for love, and so then children in turn don't meet their parents' needs uh, for respect, and that kind of spirals out of control, especially as kids get older. What I really loved about the book is that he offers some very practical advice for parents on how to meet those needs for your children and how to get out of that crazy cycle. So if you are a parent today, uh, I would highly recommend this book, and I hope that you read it. Now, again, since it is the Sunday after VBS, we strategically plan this book for this week. And so what I want to talk about today is the family. The family. One of the things that everybody, has in, everybody in this room has in common, okay, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, or you've been a parent for a long time, one of the things we all have in common, regardless of your background, regardless of what part of the country you're from, regardless of your spiritual heritage, even if you have one or not, uh, regardless of your pro political persuasion. The thing that we all have in common is that everybody has a desire for a healthy, loving family. A healthy, loving family. However, would you agree that families today are very different and very difficult? I think that's a true statement. Families are difficult and different, and the world in which we are raising our kids today is very complicated. It's very different than when um, I was a child. Being a parent, if you're a mom or a dad, that is a full-time, difficult, demanding job. And then, just about the time where you think you've got a little bit of experience under your belt, um, and you kind of, you know, kind of figure out what you're doing, your kids leave and they're out the door. I believe that when talking about parenting, you really need to begin the discussion by answering two important questions. And I'm going to combine them into one. What's your goal and what's your game plan? What's your goal and what's your game plan? What's your goal in parenting? Mom, dad, what's your goal? Now, if you run a business, if you're involved in, uh, you know, in, in the business world today, you know that a good business plan always starts with looking at what you believe the end result should be. You know, what are we trying to accomplish? Well, I think the same issues need to be settled as far as raising a family is concerned. What are we trying to accomplish here? What's, what's the end goal? So mom and dad, let me ask you, what is your primary goal that you have in parenting? What's the goal that you have for your children? Now, a lot of parents will say today, well, you know, I really feel like my number one goal for my children is I want them to be happy. I want, I want them to be happy. Now, I want you to hear something from me with as much love and grace as I can muster. 
Your goal as a parent has got to be so much greater, so much deeper than that. You know, your, your goal is not to raise a successful child as the world defines success, one who is accomplished in some you know, chosen field and makes a load of money. It's not to raise a, a popular child, one who is attractive and socially sought after and who marries a good-looking mate and provides you with the most beautiful and gifted grandchildren on the planet. That's not your goal. Listen, if, if you are here in this room, you're watching this, and you call yourself a believer, you are a follower of Jesus, your goal in parenting is to raise a child or children ultimately who love God, who accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and who live according to the principles of God's Word so as to please Him. That's the ultimate goal. That's the end result. And if your children grow up to do that, you have been successful as a parent, no matter what they do for a paycheck. Because ultimately, listen, that right there, that's where lasting joy is found. That's where peace is found. That's where significance comes from. That's where meaning, that's the thing that's going to last in this life and into the next if you say you believe in that. Now, the second part of that question is just as critical. Again, the first, your goal, deals with the end result. But the second, your game plan, deals with, okay, how are we gonna get there? You know, what's the game plan? How are we gonna comp accomplish that? You know, what, what, are, what is your parenting blueprint? What voices are you going to, to listen to and be influenced by? Now again, let me cut to the chase because if you're here today and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, a believer, then it's very plain and simple. God's word is your guide to parenting. It's your guide for everything, including raising your children. You know, we, we are to check every piece of advice that we get Every new parenting trend, every you know, accepted parenting practice of our world today, we're to check all of it with, does this line up with the word of God? And let me tell you something, mom and dad, you're gonna face choices every single day. Will you accept those voices, the wisdom of this world, or are you going to accept and listen to the revealed wisdom of the word of God that has withstood the ages. For example, there are some parenting experts today who will encourage you to develop a very democratic household where you treat your children um, as equal, equals with you. And yet the Bible says, children obey your parents in the Lord. You know, there's a, a system of authority set up in the Bible. There are people today who will insist that, hey, you know, don't try to impose your religious values on your children. You know, kids need to be free. They need to be completely free to choose on their own. And yet the Bible says, parents, you are to train up your children in the way that they should go. You know, it's funny to me, people who say, well, I just want to give my kids that choice. You know, the, the, let them choose whether or not they should, you know, come to church with me. Listen, do you, do you let your kids choose whether or not they're going to brush their teeth? You know, of course not. 
In Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7, it says this, and I really think this is a great passage of Scripture that communicates both the goal and the plan for parenting. Follow along as I read this. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. Now, stop there just for a second. What he's talking about there, he's talking about God's word. And he's talking about how we're to share God's word and the principles of God's word and the things, the amazing things that God had done with the next generation and the next generation. And then here's the continuing goal of parenthood. So that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And then they in turn would tell their children. And then here's the goal, listen to this, that they would put their trust in God. That's it right there, and, and not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Parents, mom and dad, that's it. Every parent wants that to be true of their children. Now, I know some of you might push back a little bit and say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, what are you saying? Are you saying that I need to be a Bible expert, you know, to raise my children? You know, I think I know some pastor's kids and families that aren't exactly role models to follow. Well, that's not what I'm saying. Honestly, I think sometimes we actually confuse this thing of parenting and complicate it way too much. Okay, I mean, seriously, look around at the people who've come before you who have been parents. They're not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I mean, come on. They did it. You can do it, okay? Now, here is the best advice that I can give you as a parent. Good luck. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, here is, this, somebody shared this with me one time, and, and um, I think this is great advice. You can be a great parent if you simply treat your kids the way God treats you. You can do this thing. You can be a great parent if you'll treat your children the way God treats you. So here's what I'm telling you today, okay? Listen, fall more deeply in love with God. That's it. You know, grow. Grow in your walk with him, in your relationship with him. Get to know God better and better and better. And then you simply strive to be that way in your parenting. So really today what I want us to do is I want to talk about what God's like. And then we're going to make some application in parenting. Okay? So number one, here's the biggest one. God is loving. That's a great place to start. God is loving. In fact, the Bible is just full of examples of God's love for you. Every one of you, if you're a parent, you love your kids. You do. And as you learn to express that love to your kids, you're trying to do so in a way that is appropriate. Uh, you're trying to express that love in ways that they understand and in ways that each one of them need. Now, what happens as you have more kids and, you know, and as those kids get older, you discover that that changes with each child. You know, what's appropriate, what they understand, what they need. It changes with each child. And what's crazy is that it changes with each child 
in each season of their life as they grow. So let me give you at least four expressions of love that your children need from you, okay? The letter A on your outline is affection. Affection. I'm just talking about appropriate physical contact, hugs, kisses, pats on the back. And, and I know some of you are here today, some of you adults, and you're like, yeah, but Pastor Chris, you know, I did not grow up in a very demonstrative family. I didn't grow up in an environment like that. Listen, grow up and get over yourself, okay? You're the adult. You know, this, I'm telling you, this, you can learn this. This is what your kids need. You know, Psalm 145.9 says, the Lord has compassion on all that he has made. In other words, he's affectionate with us. Um, in fact, let me give you a little project today for all the families here. Go home and sometime today, give a loving touch to every member of your family. Give them a hug. Husbands, wives. I believe that starts with you. You know, when's the last time you, you hugged each other? Husbands, when's the last time you gave a prolonged hug to your wife where you weren't expecting sex, <laughs> okay? Now, if it leads to that, so be it. But anyway, what I'm saying is, go home and hug each other. Your kids need that. The letter B, encouragement, encouragement. Psalm 145, 14, the Lord upholds and uplifts those who are down. God encourages us. And listen, we shape our kids. We mold them by the way that we talk to them. And so build them up. Encourage them with your words. Catch them doing something good every day, multiple times a day, and just praise them for it. Listen, Everybody encourages kids when they get straight A's, when they hit the home run, when they do something great. But what about the time, and then this is real life, when they try and they fail, or they lose, or it's hard, or they get discouraged. That, that's when they need your words of encouragement. The letter C, attention, attention. That's probably the number one way kids sense that they are loved by mom and dad, giving them attention, listening to them with your ears and your eyes, just spending time together. Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is near to us when we call. I really think the missing link today in so many families is just uninterrupted and undistracted time together. Mom and dad, put down your cell phone. Put it away. Have a meal together. Don't even put the phone out on the table. You know what was so sad this week? I saw seven and eight-year-olds with cell phones at Vacation Bible School. Oh, but, you know, I need to get in touch with my... Listen, if there's an emergency, you can get in touch with them. We have a police officer that was here. Every, they're safe. They're secure here. A seven-year-old? And listen, you know what we know? What we discovered they were doing? They're in the bathroom on apps, on, on their phone. Where are they picking that up from? Where do they get that from? They got it from you. You know, like undistracted, uninterrupted time. 
We're just living separate lives. We're going a million different directions, and we're going to pay the price for it. The letter D, discipline. Discipline. We're like, whoa, 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 Pastor Chris. We're talking about God is love. God is loving. Listen to this. God's discipline is an expression of God's love. Hebrews 12.6 says this, the Lord disciplines those whom he what? Loves. In fact, the Bible says that if you don't discipline your kids, a couple of things are true. Proverbs 13.24, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. That's pretty strong. You let your kids get away with anything, it shows, it says you don't care about them. And then Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them what? Destroy themselves. If I don't discipline my kids, I am participating in their destruction. Now, I wanna spend a little bit more time with this one because there is a right way and a wrong way to discipline. And let me say this, what works with one child might not work with another child. But that's not an excuse for you as a parent to give up. You know, go down swinging. You know, it's not an excuse for you to fail what God has entrusted and empowered you to do. Discipline is a process. And that process changes and it develops as your children change and develop. In general, there are three stages of discipline. I want you to write these down today. And let's talk about each one of them. Correcting, training, and coaching. Write those down. Correcting, training, and coaching. Early on, okay, when your kids are very little, discipline is all about correcting their selfish nature. That is the goal. And yes, your beautiful, precious gift from God is sinful, okay? Nobody had to teach them to be selfish. Nobody had to teach them to, you know, hit another kid or, you know, or take a toy. Um, that's, that's, they have a sinful nature, just like, by the way, you do. So it's during this correcting stage that children need to figure out a couple of things. That, that obedience is good and that there are consequences for disobedience. Now during that beginning stage, discipline should be marked by these things. It should be calm, parents. It should be immediate. And if you're married, it has to be shared between husband and wife. There should never be good parent, bad parent, okay? You know, it's funny in movies, but it's terrible parenting. And it should be well thought out. You ought to be having that discussion as, as a mom and a dad early on, as a, as a husband and wife. You need to have a game plan. Yelling is not discipline. Swatting your kids down the aisle at Costco or Walmart is not discipline, okay? reasoning with a three-year-old. That is not discipline. The next stage of discipline, you move from correcting to training. Now this is general, but the training stage is typically from like ages five and six to about 10 or 11, okay? In that correcting stage, when you tell, tell a child to do something and they say why, it is okay for you as a parent to say, because I said so, that's why. But on the other hand, as they get older and you tell them what to do and they say, why? This is not where you just say, because I said so. Now, don't get me wrong. They still need to obey because you say so, but it's at this stage 
that you start giving them more information. Why? Because you're training them to obey. You know, your, your goal as a parent is to then stimulate within that child's heart a desire to do the right thing. It's in the training stage that, that you begin to uh, reach a time in your life where you want to obey, not just out of you know, fear, but now out of love and respect. You know, and, and if that shift in motive, if that shift in their motive doesn't happen somewhere in that stage, let me tell you something. The teenage years are going to be a nightmare. They're going to be tough. Very hands-on early on. Rules, correction. But then as your kids grow up, honestly, there should be less and less of that. You see, if you're still primarily relying on threats of punishment with your teenager, you're in for a long battle. That motive has got to shift from being external to being internal, where your kid basically understands, you know what, I want to be obedient. I want to do the right thing because I love my parents, because I respect them. Colossians 3, 20 and 21 says, you children must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. And then he gives this little uh, instruction to, to dads, really parents, fathers, don't aggravate your children. Another translation says, don't exasperate them. If you do, they'll become discouraged and they'll quit trying. You know, discipline in the teen years, really it's about coaching at this point. You've moved into the coaching stage. You've moved from correcting to training to coaching. And some of the biggest frustrations that I see today in families happen when parents are treating their preschoolers like they're teenagers. And then later on, what's interesting is they, they want to treat their teenagers like they're preschoolers. That's, that's on you, mom and dad. You, you can't parent the same in these different stages. So what's your goal as a, as a parent during the coaching stage? Well, it's just to encourage your, your kids to make right choices. That's it. Encourage your teenagers. You know, at this stage, honestly, you don't really do a lot of disciplining per se. You, you, you better have taken care of that early on. And so what you're doing with a teenager is you're, you're coaching them, you're encouraging them in the right decision. You know, what does a coach do? A coach stands on the sidelines, a coach calls the plays. Uh, many times he trusts, you know, the quarterback, the players, and uh, he doesn't run the play. He calls them, the coach doesn't execute them. Sometimes the players run those plays to perfection. Sometimes they fumble the ball. Now, when they fumble, does the coach quit? No, you know? In life, sometimes parents need to call a timeout. You know, you huddle everybody up, you talk some things over, you give them a different play, and, uh, but you send them on their own. Now, what I'm saying is that at this stage, you can't get on the field and run the play with your, chi with your children. In fact, every teenager, if you're a student here today, here's what you have got to discover in this stage of your life. My, cho my choices have consequences. That's what you've got to learn. You've got to figure that out really fast. And at this stage of your life, you are making a lot of choices, a lot of decisions. Who you hang out with, what you do, where you go, 
what you watch, what you listen, what you put into your mind. And you've got, to just, you've got to discover really, really quick that every single choice that you make will have consequences. In fact, Galatians 6-7 says this, don't be deceived. One translation says, don't be fooled. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Again, to the students here today, remember when you were young and life was easy. Man, your parents took care of everything for you. And now you're growing up and life is different now. Sometimes it's hard and life is full of choices. And the Bible makes it really, really clear, clear. For every decision that you make, there will be consequences, positive or negative. And the sooner you learn that, the sooner you understand that, the more mature you're going to be, the wiser you're going to be, and the better life is going to be for you. So God is loving. Number two, God is also understanding. Understanding. Psalm 103, 13 and 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. What it says here is that God, he understands us. He knows what makes us tick. He's aware of our makeup. You know, typically the number one complaint that teenagers have against their parents is, my parents just don't what? Understand me. Look at this next verse. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and what? Understanding. He's saying we need to understand our kids. We need to know what makes them the way they are. And every single child in your home is, is unique. They have a unique bent. They have a unique personality and temperament. Would you agree with that? How many of you have more than one child? Raise your hand, more than one child. Now, let me ask you a question. Are they all alike? No. They're, they're different as night and day, and, and, and yet they came from the same family. Can they all be motivated the same way? Typically not. Do they have the same strengths? No. The same weaknesses? No. Then why? Why are you trying to fit them all into the exact same mold? Everyone is different. Now, here are two proofs of understanding, two proofs that you are becoming a, an understanding parent, patience and acceptance. Patience and acceptance. Proverbs 14, 29, a man of understanding has what? Patience. One of the proofs that you understand your kids is that you are becoming more and more patient with them because you know where they're coming from. You understand them. Let me ask you, are you perfect? Do you make mistakes? Absolutely. That's another one of the little encouraging tidbits from this book, by the way, is that, hey, give yourself some grace we're all learning. We're all figuring this thing out. You know, and, uh, and, and as parents, you make mistakes, but so do your children. And, and that, by the way, leads to acceptance. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Again, God accepted you just the way you are. That's called grace. But we have a tendency, you know, not just as parents, but as people, to reject other people when they mess up. You know, when they don't look the way we want them to look, when they don't dress the way you think they ought to dress, or when they don't vote the way you think they should vote or believe what you think they should believe. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about approval or agreement. 
But here's what you got to figure out really quick. As a person and as a parent, can you love, truly love and accept other people, even your own children, without always approving of their behavior or agreeing with their choices? I hope you can. Because you're not always going to approve of your child's behavior or agree with their choices. But I hope you can still love them and accept them. Now, before you answer that question, don't forget this truth. God does that with you all the time. He doesn't always approve of your behavior, agree with your choices, but he loves you. And that's called grace. Now, in a couple of weeks, if you've already uh, picked up the books or noticed this, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the messiness of that, of walking that out as people, as we look at that book entitled Messy Grace, loving people without always agreeing or approving. Listen, mom and dad, the Bible says that children are a gift. So have you accepted that gift? Think about this for a second. God chose, sovereignly chose the children that you have in your home. He picked those kids for you. He chose their preferences for you. And so you need to accept them as a gift and not try to make them like you. You know, we send these crazy signals out as parents sometimes that say, well, you need to be like me. You need to be interested in the stuff I'm interested in. You need to do, uh, you know, as good as school as I did. You need to be as athletic as I was. Or worse, you need to be what? Better than I was. So often that's a lack of recognition and appreciation for the way that God made your children. And pretty soon what you're saying to your children loud and clear is, hey, if I want to be accepted by my mom and dad, I can't be me. And the only way to be accepted in this family, the only way to be loved or approved of in this family is by my performance. And that's tragic. Finally, number three, God is faithful. He's faithful. In other words, he can be trusted. He's consistent. Psalm 145, verse 13, the Lord is faithful to all his promises. Mom and dad, be very careful about the promises that you make to your children. Because if you're not trustworthy, how does that reflect on God? What does that say to them about your heavenly Father? Husbands, listen to me for a second. Be faithful to your wife and the promises that you made. Wives, be faithful to your husband and the promises that you made. One of the best gifts that you can give your children is a great marriage. And they need to see that my parents are faithful. They can be trusted. Verse 17 of Psalm 145, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. All. 
Mom and dad, if you've got children, your home is bugged. Okay? Little eyes and little ears, they are picking up every single thing that you say and that you do, and like it or not, everything. You are, you are teaching 24 hours a day. You're never off the clock. Never. They're watching you. They're watching how you talk to people on the phone. They're watching how you treat the server at that restaurant. They're, they're, they're listening. They're picking up on how you deal with other people. They're watching. Dad, listen, they're watching how you treat their mom. They're watching how you treat your wife. Wives, they're watching how you treat your husband and how you speak to him. You're constantly teaching by your example. And so my, my challenge for you today, my encouragement for you today is to be faithful. Be consistent in your relationships and your relationship with God. If you want your children to grow up and be faithful to God, let me say this. It starts with you. It starts with your life. You got to live that out. If you want your children to be children of prayer and to grow up with this love relationship with God, communicating with Him, listen, they got to see that in you. Well, I, that's what I take them to church for. Are you, are you that immature? Seriously, listen, we're just re hopefully, what we're doing is reinforcing what you're doing. But you're the one that's with it. You really think that an hour a week? Listen, they're with you 24-7. You know, if you want your kids to, to grow up and, and, and open up God's Word, the Bible, and see it as a love letter written to them, vital to everything they do, a blueprint for all of life, man, they got to see it important to you. You know, do your children believe and know that you spend time with God, that, that you read his word, that you have a quiet time. Listen, if you want your kids to, to know that the church is the bride of Christ and that we are on mission to change this world one life at a time and that we get to impact this world through what we do here as a church, then the church needs to be important to you. Now maybe, just maybe today, you're feeling a little overwhelmed and frustrated as a parent. Or worse, you feel like a total failure. Man, I got some good news for you today. Our God is also faithful in forgiveness. And every family needs it, every parent needs it, and every child needs it. 1 John 1.9 says this, but if we confess our sin to him, to God, he is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. Maybe you're here today and you just need at some point to get alone with God and say, God, you know what? I admit it. Not only have I not been the parent I need to be, I've not been the person that I need to be. And I admit it to you, and, I, and God, I ask you to forgive me. And then you ask God to give you the power to change. And you know what? He will. You know, some of you are here today, and you are brand new parents. And you are scared to death. 
You know, you're, you're still freaking out that they handed you a human being to take home from the hospital. You're like, yeah, hey, just come here and we can have classes or something. Let me, um, let me give you a word of encouragement as I close. And I kind of started this way and I want to end this way. It's really not that complicated. Just remember, treat your children the way God treats you. He is loving. He is understanding. He is faithful. And here's the good news. He is forgiving. If you do that, you'll be okay. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. It is the blueprint. It is your love letter. And I thank you for directing it toward us. And Father, I just pray today for all of the families that are in this room. Families are different and difficult today, there's no doubt. But God, you don't leave us to ourselves. And um, I pray today that each one of us, no matter the situation in our family, that we would strive to treat the other people in our family the way you treat us. I thank you for your great, great love. And God, I also thank you for the times of discipline in my life where I was headed in the wrong direction and I needed your correction and instruction. And although difficult, uh, discipline is difficult and hard at the time, it leads to a great, great reward and blessing. Father, I thank you for being so understanding with me. Um, I thank you for your patience and uh, God, your, uh, your grace. And I, I need it every day. Help me to be that way with the people in my life. And Father, also, I just thank you for your consistency, that you're so faithful. And um, God, I pray for the homes in this, in this room, the families, God, that we would be faithful, that we'd be consistent and trustworthy. And Father, um, we all need your forgiveness. It's quite possible, God, that there's somebody here today in this room who it's not that they've just not been the parent or the spouse that you've called them to be. The truth is, God, they recognize they've not been the person that they should be. They've messed up. They've blown it. They've sinned. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And if you're here today, you're ready to come home. You're ready to receive that forgiveness. You can. Just pour your heart out to God right here and right now. And just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Today, I do admit it. I admit that I've blown it. And today, I ask you to forgive me. I ask Jesus, your Son, to be my personal Savior and Lord, to come into my life and to make me brand new. And Father, now for the rest of my days, as long as I'm on this planet, I want to live for you. And I know that's a journey and a process, but God, thank you for now seeing me as brand new, alive, forgiven, perfect in your eyes. Thank you. Father, again, thank you for VBS this past week, for all the... Uh, the seeds that were planted in these kids' hearts. 
And I do pray, God, that each and every one would grow up to bear much fruit and that they would live out this idea that Jesus really does rescue. When we're hurting, when we're sad, when we're lonely, when we're worried, afraid, or do wrong, that Jesus really does rescue. Thank you for rescuing me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.